brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should, too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This is Almost Entirely Sports with Joshua Briscoe. We just, we we get so horny for Traymond Smith. I do not regret that choice of words. I chose it yeah, purposefully. We do? As a fan base. Yes! Armani Watts really gets, really gets our, our heart pumping. Who else is it? Who else? Khalil McKenzie really gets our juices flowing here in Kansas City. On 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, and the ESPN Kansas City Facebook page. I still regret none of those words. In fact, I, I only wish I would have said them louder. Talking about all of the uh, draft picks from 2019. Those names are all in the past. This year, we have no, uh, new mid and late round draft picks to discuss. And we'll discuss them now with Ryan Tracy of Locked On Chiefs and lots of other things. You can check him out on Twitter at Ryan Tracy NFL, RGR uh, YouTube channel. Again, Locked On Chiefs podcast, though, is an excellent resource. If you're looking for more Chiefs content in your life, Ryan, uh, how are you feeling right now? The come down from the draft. Has, has occurred, you are feeling what as you uh, look at what the Chiefs are able to pull off this weekend? Uh, tired. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, get, I'll get back in the swing of things in a couple days. That's No, that's understandable, I think. Unfortunately, I have no such luxury, and so I need you to produce content for me now. Uh, we we okay. have to keep in mind that uh, that Frank Clark was essentially the first-round draft pick here, and also all the money and everything all plays into it. Um, but we, I mean, we can go chronologically, we can go most impactful or most surprising, but I, I do think that one way or another, the first two conversations need to be about McCole Hardman and Juan Thornhill, the first two picks the Chiefs made. Starting off with Hardman, what did you think, and also th- maybe throughout your athletic matrix in, in that perspective, what did you think whenever the Chiefs traded up and it was for Hardman? You know, at, at first I thought it was going to be for another player, um, I didn't have Hardman as my number one or three uh, wide receiver in particular, but he fits the mold of right. what I planned on them looking for. Uh, Marquise Brown was the top receiver on my list. He's a fit for the Chiefs, very much along the same lines as Hardman. Um, Chiefs clearly 
preferred him. Uh, no injury history that's significant. Uh, a lot of speed. Able to fill in and do some of the things that we've seen Tyreek Hill do for this team yeah. in the past. Um, I actually, they had him on their stopwatches a little bit faster than everybody did at the Combine. So I actually had Paris Campbell with a little bit better speed. But in readjusting the matrix, after I know what the Chiefs had actually timed him at, he is the number one in terms of deep speed in this class. So it makes a lot of sense to me. And with the, the deep speed as a metric, I keep thinking about what we've seen when, when Tyreek Hill's basically running laps in the backfield and just freezing defenses. Because whenever he's doing that, that, that gives such a great asset to Andy Reid. And if this is the end for Tyreek Hill in Kansas City, which I think is at least the smart money at this point, uh, and at least for, I mean, I would say, my guess is permanently, but at least for 2019, um, you you want Andy Reid to be able to continually make those kind of moves in the backfield and, and make defenses always be second-guessing where the ball is going to actually end up heading. So is that the best trait for Hardman, and do you think he can make that transition as well? I think that he can. I, I haven't been able to, to chart a number of behind-the-line-of-scrimmage type plays like that. Not a lot of jet motion. Um, I know Seth's looking deep into the numbers, and I'm sure he'll come up with it. We'll talk about that on the podcast and with you, of course. But I think that's an aspect um, for a guy who came into college as a DB uh, and has only had two seasons of playing wideout. I think that's something that's uh, a little bit farther down the progression ladder. I think Andy Reid will get him into that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think what we've seen from him on his college film is that he tracks the ball well in the air. He understands how to attack zone uh, defenses in a way that gets him open. Uh, and he has the natural tool to be able to accelerate away from coverage if, if they man up on him. So uh, those are three things that are going to be very important in this offense, especially if you're looking at, at losing Terry Kill, which I agree is completely uh, my expectation, and I expect it to be permanent as well. Mm-hmm. But I, I think he has the tool. The biggest problem, and it always is with Andy's offense, uh, is for the wide receivers to learn their roles, to make sight adjustments in particular. Uh, that's something we still haven't seen DeMarcus Robinson do overly right. well. So true. there is a, a curve that's going to be a challenge. What was it that, that left him a little bit lower on your board? I mean, certainly, I wouldn't say even lower than the norm, lower than the Chiefs, which was pretty much everyone. But, but why the other guys that you had a little bit higher up? You know, mostly it was just a production metric hmm. uh, because – at UGA, they run the ball so much in Georgia, it's, it's difficult to see whether this is a guy who took advantage of his opportunities or if he can really be a mainstay in the offense. And that, from, from the Chiefs' perspective, is they, they want their deep threat not only to stretch the field and keep defenses honest, but they want to be a weapon down the field. And that gets you more touches at, at distance that I think we're going to have to see if he can hold up to. Uh, I, I have confidence that he can, but it's just not something that you can project off of the college film. That's totally fair. Were you surprised that they didn't go receiver anywhere else? I was talking about Emmanuel Hall a lot on Twitter. Just a dude with with crazy speed and, and made Drew Locke better here at Mizzou. Um, but he ended up being an undrafted free agent that signed with the Bears. I know the Chiefs added a couple of guys here and there in the undrafted pool that we can talk about later, but were you surprised that the only wide receiver uh, offseason addition of note was Hardman? You know, I I wasn't terribly, because when you have a class like this that is very deep at Mm -hmm. a particular position, I think because there are other fish to fry, particularly on defense for this team, I think that allows you to make one selection that you feel is really a game changer for you and then kind of hold back because there's going to be a better pool of undrafted free agents this year than, say, two seasons ago or so on and so forth. And we've seen them make a lot of signings afterwards, and it sounds like they're very excited about a number of them. Of that list, is there anybody that jumps out at you specifically, or is it just a matter of we'll see when we get through camp and whatnot? There are a number that jump out to me. Um, the top of my list, and I know everyone's very excited about Darwin Thompson and what he's able to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, we're going to talk with Matt Waldman here uh, today or tomorrow because he's so excited about him. Okay. A guy that has a unique talent, a lot of play balance, mm-hmm. great, great draft choice, right? Yeah. James Williams, I had rated above him on my board because he is a prototypical third-down pass-catching back that knows how to protect, knows how to get loose. And is an athlete. Yep. He, I feel like right now 
he is one of the front runners to be a UDFA that makes this particular roster. Um, I like what he does a lot. And the other guy that I would like to point out is Cody Thompson, mm-hmm. uh, one of the wide receivers mm-hmm. that has a lot of athletic ability, you know, played at a smaller, not as much exposure on the national scene, but I think another guy that can come in and be a role player and push some of the guys at the bottom of the wide receiver chart, uh, and he may have a shot as well. I like that a lot. Okay, let's go back. You mentioned the defense obviously had a lot of uh, a lot of fish that needed frying defensively. And with the Chiefs' second pick in the second round, uh, with the, the Marcus Peters pick, they took Juan Thornhill, the safety out of Virginia. We talked about Thornhill quite a bit around here um, and, and mentioning Seth Kaiser, who, who we'll talk to soon here. Um, he, he didn't love Thornhill's tape. He preferred Nasir Adderley, who also fell way farther than I thought he was going to go. He ends up going in division. What did you make of the Chiefs deciding not to be aggressive to go get Adderley and to wait for, for Thornhill to fall and then making that pick? You know, I think it's a combination of things. Um, first and foremost, out of the entire safety class, Juan Thornhill is the best at producing interceptions and passes defense out of all my metrics. In fact, produced a few more passes defense in his career than Marcus Peters did in his on half of the targets. Interesting. I like that. That's a significant factor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really came up big in that. He's a bigger body than Adderley, a uh, bigger body than Darnell Savage, who I actually had as, as the top free safety. Mm. You know, I think it's a combination of things, and I think more so than maybe the other two, I think he's a guy that you can disguise what he's doing better. Yes, yeah. he should be the free safety. Um, you've seen him play nickel, but he could also come down and play that robber. So he and Matthew are, I think, a little bit more able to disguise if they're going to shift around their responsibilities. So, I and mean, I think that's, that's a chess piece that uh, Steve Spagnuolo wants to have and is on his board. That was maybe the very first thought that came to mind whenever I saw that pick because because we know Tyron Matthew can do everything and at a really, really high level. So the idea that, that we, we already knew Steve Spagnuolo was going to try to come in and, and do something by way of chaos, especially with the pass rush and everything across that new defensive line, um, but being able to... to throw the curveballs from the secondary. How impactful is that for a quarterback that's trying to read what's happening pre-snap and then the ball goes and, and it's not what they were expecting? You know, they've made their money on that in, in years past. And I think one of the things that we saw the, the downfall uh, of the defense the last couple of years has been the, the lack of confusion, the mm-hmm. lack of being able to disguise. And as the quarterbacks, particularly in the division are getting older and changing, and now we have some young guys and some guys that are, are retreads from other franchises. Yep. I think being able to throw that off for guys who don't know them very well already uh, is going to help them that much more. Uh, I see a lot of people talking about how well the Raiders did, and, and I'll give my Mayock some credit, but uh, Chiefs are still the team to beat in this division. Uh, yes, <laughs> yeah, certainly. Did you, did you like the Raiders draft enough to even like have to clarify that? You know... I, I, I see where they're going. I won't say sure. I like it. They pick some players that I wouldn't in some places, but mm-hmm. for what they have to do to try to recreate some culture, I think my Mayock stamp is on that draft, and I think in the end it will start to pay off. Interesting. Okay, I, I can buy that. Um, with with Thornhill, the one like I think the the overwhelming question, the one question, like. A lot of these guys have multiple questions that you can try to say, oh, you know, these are all the factors. For Thornhill, I don't doubt that he can do a lot of things. Um, my main question would be, is there any anything spe- specifically that he can excel at? And then, which you mentioned how good he was at creating pass breakups and, and everything, which is huge. But, but can he do all of these things? We talk about his versatility. Can he do all of them at a high enough level beside Tyron Matthew? I think that he can especially because if he's able to adapt to what the defense is going to be, understand the call, understand the philosophy, I felt like he was a guy that brings a little bit of swagger and a little mm-hmm. bit of hit potential back there. So that, you know, there's some slight uh, wide receivers in this division that you know, kind of lean towards the lighter side. I think the, the, the bigger body back there can have a positive effect. Uh, and not only does he produce in terms of turnovers and PBUs, but he's got a really good uh, missed tackle rate. So I think mm-hmm. unlike what we've seen from safeties in the past on this roster, um, I expect him to not miss as many tackles. Okay, so on Hardman and Thornhill, what's the percentage chance that each of those guys are starting day one? Uh, 100 and 100. Oh, good. I like that. Okay. 
I was I had my money on high nineties, but uh, that you you had the one answer that would have surprised me a little bit uh, above a, a ninety. Okay, good. I'm I'm happy for that. Um, what are the odds? What are the odds that anyone else in the rest of this draft is starting at any point this season? Oh, I would think 70 percent. I think you're going to see really? a rotation along the D line that Colin Sanders is going to get some chances. Uh-huh. Uh, I think he's probably the, the last one. I mean, if there's a run on injuries, um, Darwin, I think will probably make the roster. I, mm-hmm. I don't know at whose expense. Um, but depending on the attrition this coming season, uh, you might see him get a start. Okay, so on let's let's talk about Colin Sa- Saunders a little bit. The defense tackle out of Western Illinois who does backflips and played running back in high school and has the greatest like huddle tape I've ever seen. Um, I w- this was the pick that I was most surprised by, and and not because I've deeply scouted every player in that draft because that's not my game, um, but by the positional decision. I, I am of the mindset that the most important thing that you can do defensively in 2019 is, in all likelihood, to dominate up the middle and to get pressure up the middle. Aaron Donald made me a convert in that regard. Chris Jones, I think, is going to be dominant on that front this year. And, and Derek Nottie, you know, they just invested and they traded up for Derek Nottie. And still, Colin Saunders is the pick in the third round here, which was going to be their last pick for 120-ish picks after that. Um, even at a position with, with Xavier Williams that I think even has a competent backup there. Why was it Saunders at 84? You know, they actually took him just about where I had him. I, I actually had him right around 28, so just a few picks ahead of where I had him listed. And it's because uh, nothing against Nadi. I think Nadi has actually shown more, more ability to rush the passer last season than we actually gave him credit for as a rookie. Agreed. Uh, and clearly a stalwart against the run. These are big guys. In ideally, you don't want to see them taking 65, 70% of the snaps yeah. every game. Yeah. If you can get a third guy in there that can take some of that rotation, take pressure off, and keep them fresher, I think that helps the entire team, particularly in December and January. And the interesting thing about Saunders is even though he's much bigger in terms of uh, particularly girth, you know, the, the breadth of his shoulders, uh, I feel that he's more explosive than Naughty on film, and I think hmm. he's a guy that can penetrate gaps better. Um, and he can certainly be a chess piece if if Daly plans on doing like they they have been in New England, where you move some guys that are you know supposedly one techniques and you put them out on a tackle. Tim Saunders is a guy, or Colin Saunders, keep doing that wrong. I mean, too. Me, I've done it a thousand times. <laughs> but I think he's a guy who can play anywhere along the, that front. I wouldn't line him up, you know, wide nine. <laughs> right. Anywhere from head up over the tackle to the other one, I'm comfortable with it. So I'm I'm interested. That that's all really interesting. The, the versatility, which is like, man, that if we had a nickel every time we talked about versatility in Spagnuolo's defense since he got <laughs> to town, we'd be able to uh, we'd be doing this show from a private jet. Um, we would still be doing the show though. With with Spagnolo's defense, I know that rotational defensive linemen have been a, 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 a you mentioned a chess piece for Saunders specifically. He's played with a lot of pieces. He's played with a lot of chess pieces. So is that is that what we've seen slowly being built throughout this off season? Because it's like listen, Breland Speaks is going to be on this roster. Tano Passigno is currently on this roster, and that's about as committal as I'll get there. But they trade for Ogba. They sign Alex Okafor. They trade for Frank Clark. Uh, they they have those guys we mentioned in the interior. They draft Colin Saunders. Is that the philosophy at defensive line is give me a single star and then a bunch of competence that I can rotate through? You know, possibly. Um, I, I would say they have two stars in Chris Johnson, Frank Clark. No, you're right. That, that's so, you know what? That's I was I was thinking about the edges there. 100. percent They do. There there are two there now. Yeah, and you you would think because of where we've seen them line up in the past, they might line up on the same side and try to dominate yes. one side of the line of scrimmage. But yes. the nice thing is they can both flip around. Um, so it allows you just a, another piece that you don't have to line up and give them the same look like they've seen year after year out of this defense in the past. So. Um, but I do feel like it is, it's a gang mentality. Mm. It, Spagnola wants a big front. We've seen him historically have good defenses when he can get pressure, uh, whether it's from the edges or up the middle. But he wants big, strong, powerful guys, and he doesn't care necessarily if you can bend the edge. He wants you to jack that tackle into the quarterback's lap, and that works. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, so we'll talk about the defense as a whole in a second, but one specific thing, uh, especially as John Dorsey, he's on my screen right now, as John Dorsey was taking Greedy Williams, I got very sad, because that was the most predictable pick in the entire draft. Um, and the Chiefs didn't end up adding a cornerback until the sixth round with Rashad Fenton out of South Carolina. Whenever you're picked in the sixth round, there's a certain... Uh, there's a certain expectation that I'm guessing that Dave Tobe was a big fan and that, you know, maybe you see him somewhere at some point, yada, yada, yada. How do you feel about the cornerback group at this point, knowing that unless there's another big trade coming, unless that Patrick Peterson thing happens, we're probably seeing the starting lineup right now, and it's a little bit thin. It is. Uh, I would say it's not a little bit thin. Yeah. Um, they are missing a CB1 in my book. Yep, 100%. Oh, I'm so glad you said it that way. I feel so much less alone right now. <laughs> they're out there, you know, and, and there's there's a lot of faith in Traverius Ward because of the way he played at the end of the season, and I agree that he showed a lot of things uh, on the positive side going in, but uh, relying on him, I think, is, is a bit of a stretch, and I'd love to see him be, if you switch this around, and Breland and Fuller are your second and third guys, Yes, and now Ward is who comes in in, in the dime packages, Yep, that's a much better scenario than what we see here because... Somebody twists an ankle day one, and we're talking about Tremont Smith walking out there. I could, I could go get lawyers and and go at you for plagiarism right now because you are <laughs> you are taking the words out of my mouth. That was the thing that I thought if they would have had that pick at twenty nine, if they would have been aggressive elsewhere. And listen, man, I I thought that that their their safety depth was actually in a worse place than their corner depth pre-draft. But like exactly as you just said, whenever you add a number one corner, you're improving at three positions. And that would have been that would have been really exciting. So knowing that again it's not coming through the draft and in all likelihood the best case scenario um, without something really aggressive is just one of those guys a vet gets cut around the end of training camp, and that you might be talking about, you know, someone comparable to Bashad Breland. Is there an aggressive move that you would try to pull right now, or is, is standing pat the only option? I don't think it's the only option. I think it's a number, it's a, a challenge of cost. Mm. I, there's so many rumors about Patrick Peterson. So I think many. that's going to be a really high cost. I don't think that's really realistic. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. It would be great if I was wrong. Um, Janoris Jenkins has, like, I think somebody came out on uh, on this morning and said that he had to pack a puppy screen. And that's an interesting concept, but I don't think there's a veteran in this league that wants to be responsible for training three or four of his replacements. Right. Uh, I think he might come down to a position where he wants out. Whether the Giants do or not remains to be a question. I don't know if that would be a trade or a release or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there were rumblings the other day about uh, the Vikings having to clear some cap space and maybe moving on from somebody there. And we all know that uh, Xavier Rhodes has been uh, – a talk, a discussion point for a while. Mm-hmm. I don't know that he actually fits very well with what Spagnuolo wants to do. I, I'd rather see him in zone than man myself, but uh, he's definitely got a resume that could be uh, a band-aid. So we had talked a little bit uh, ago, I think, about what we were seeing with Spagnuolo's defense, and this just I was just reminded of while I was reading about Rashad Fenton that he's a guy that, that really enjoys and is successful in press coverage and isn't very comfortable in zone. I think we had talked about just like trying to figure out how much uh, man and how much zone Spagnuolo was going to play. Again, thinking that maybe... Uh, Janoris Jenkins is really interesting. The pack of puppies thing is exceptional. Um, but but if there's only a slight addition made or no addition made, and and may, are, are, can you get a signal from the Fenton selection? Can you can you read anything into the, the the additions they have and haven't made as far as what Spagnolo is looking to do schematically? You know, it's difficult to do that. I, I think they like his attitude. I think they like that he's an aggressive guy. He, he's comfortable in press. I think they'd rather go that way. It gets a little iffy, though. He's got decent speed, um, but his change of direction isn't you know top tier. Mm. They've dealt with that with Marcus Peters in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that makes it more apt to go uh, try, try and protect him a little bit with a more off coverage. I wouldn't say necessarily zone, but I, I think that they are probably leaning towards man at this point being the predominant coverage that they want to play with their corners. Um, and I think they feel like if they can get a good pass rush, a guy like him that's probably better in the first two seconds of a down mm. than the last two, mm-hmm. uh, I think they're probably a little more comfortable there depending on what kind of pressure they can put on. I feel good about that analysis, so I'll ask you now, in relation to Nick Allegretti, do you like puzzles? 
I love them. What's your favorite type of puzzle? Do you, are you doing like jigsaw puzzles or like some sort of like? I like uh, the slide ones. Say again. I like the slide puzzles. Oh, a slide puzzle! My little sister found a, a puzzle of mine. It was one of those. Uh, it was I think it's called Rush Hour. It's got like all the little cars. You have to get the red car out, but you set them up in different configurations. It's a really good game. I asked because they Nick Allegretti on his conference call on on Saturday said that he really likes puzzles and Rubik's Cubes. So I'm hoping that we can maybe get together like a board game league. You're invited. Thanks, I appreciate that. I'll take the risk. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, okay, the uh, quick rapid-fire thing down... We, we talked about the undrafted free agents uh, a minute ago, and I'm, I'm pulling the list back up right now because there are a couple of names I want to throw at you, and if not, even huge analysis, just is this anything... John Lovett is just listed as an athlete in most places. He was a quarterback at Princeton, um, but it sounds like he's got some Taysom Hill vibes. Is Andy Reid going to do everything in his power to get him on the roster? I don't know about everything in his power. I think he's going to give him some tasks and see exactly how he can perform in them. Hmm. Um, I think it's uh, an interesting combination. It's another wrinkle, especially if you look at some of those really nifty inside pitches that we saw. Uh, yeah. Last yeah. Oh, I love that. Do with an H-back. Yeah. yeah right? And the H-back's in perfect position there. I'd like to see that. Um, and, you know, I, I'm all for 11 tight ends on any roster. Right. Right. Okay. Well, so speaking of tight ends, like pure tight ends, the only one they've added over these last several days is Logan Parker out of Southern Utah. I don't know if you've got anything for me on Logan Parker or not, but if if not on Parker, about the positions, uh, the position group and the guys they already have on the roster, what did you read into that? I, I'll admit I'm pretty thin on Parker, but that's uh, totally in fair. general. You know they 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 have no, they have Yelder. Uh, I think they have some guys that they put enough investment in and in bringing them early that they feel like uh, they're going to let them battle it out. Um, and I think that. After the experiment with Demetrius Harris for so long, mm-hmm. athleticism is at a peak, and I don't think they're looking for monster blockers at the position. So I, I think all these guys fit a mold that have enough athleticism to, to be useful. Uh, it just depends on you know who really catches on playing in the offense, being where they're supposed to be when the quarterback wants to deliver the ball, and I think that, that'll determine it. I made a horrible misstep on the John Lovett conversation. Are you afraid that he will take Anthony Sherman's roster spot? No, there is no uh. replacement for Anthony Sherman. <laughs> Anywhere, for anything in the universe. Uh, that's it. I was going to ask you about Kyle Shermer. It doesn't matter. We can talk about We're going to have plenty of time between now and training camp to talk about the, the third, fourth, and fifth quarterbacks on the roster, so we'll cross that bridge later. If you want more from Ryan, uh, especially just if you want to, like I don't know, share Anthony Sherman pictures, which, by the way, I have an incredible file of, you can uh, tweet him at Ryan Tracy NFL. Go to RGR Football on YouTube. The Locked On Shoes podcast is a monster. Uh, the Athletic Matrix still available. Anything else? Have I got everything? You know, that's it for now. I think that's enough. Okay, so follow him on Twitter, and uh, as soon as he fully recovers, I imagine right now that you are just like, you're wearing the hat that you're wearing in your avatar with like a towel around your shoulders, just trying to cool off from uh, from the draft. Whenever you're out of the sauna, go to Ryan Tracy NFL on Twitter and follow everything that, that he and the gang is doing. Uh, I always appreciate it, Ryan. Thank you for making the time, and, uh, and, and go towel off. Thank you, sir. Talk to you later. <laughs> Ryan Tracy, NFL on Twitter. It just Ryan Tracy is his name. I don't think I called him Ryan Clark once accidentally today, which will continually be the bane of my existence. I think we're clear so far. Beards, you also timidly addressed the microphone momentarily, and that made me nervous. How are we doing? Is everything okay? Put Ryan on hold. Done. Okay. All right. I guess I needed to hit that button. I needed to hit that button so Beards could talk to Ryan. You guys talking about Anthony Sherman? I'm going to try and get that um, collection of photos that you have and send them to him. They're laminated. Even better. We're almost entirely sports after this. This is Almost Entirely Sports with Joshua Briscoe. We don't have to do what you tell us to. We do what we want. You can't stop us. On 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, and the ESPN Kansas City Facebook page. Okay, so I do think we lied earlier whenever we said the new AES would be uh, on Facebook every night because tonight we're on remote and that will probably just start on Wednesday. We can I put together a new link for listening online so we can still pimp that out. That'll be 
almost as good. Rudy Salazar is out setting up for the remote, and we are going to be overlooking off a balcony with, like, a glass railing, and there's a bunch of, like, trees and stuff, and maybe a fundraiser of some sort, I think. I've also been told that there's food there, so I will not complain. Food existence, no complaining. Uh, there are a couple of pieces of audio I want to play for you here while we have a little bit of time. Thanks again to Ryan Tracy for joining the show. Let's go Frank Clark here, Beards. Um, is this the edited down version that doesn't have my question awkwardly pasted at the front? No, it does have your question awkwardly pasted at the front. Oh, is it the full question, though? I believe so. The video was clunky because Rudy was a little you know, slow on the trigger, which is, you know, that's his, that's his uh, prerogative. It's okay. I'm not, I'm not mad, Rudy. I'm just... Incredibly disappointed. I got two questions with Frank Clark after his introductory press conference on what I believe was Friday. Um, and yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting what he had to say because it wasn't nearly as, um, I don't know, it wasn't the answer that I expected. I'll leave it at that. Like, listen to the audio. This is me and Frank Clark talking a couple of days ago out at Arrowhead. First, watching some of your tape from Seattle, you do a lot of different stuff whenever you're attacking the edge. A lot of different moves, really versatile. Uh, what would you say that you do best? And is it fair to say that you've got a lot of different ways of, of getting after the quarterback? Um, I would say it's a, it, the, the best is yet to come, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've only showed them what I wanted to show them for these last four or five years, right. honestly. So it's not really, you know, they haven't really seen the best. They've seen, you know, a pretty average Frank Clark, in my opinion. Okay. I feel like... Um, over these next few years of my career, you're going to get a lot of the best, you know, years you go ever see of Frank. And I feel like the best is honestly yet to come. So I can't really even say what the best is. But right, because we're going to have to find out. Exactly. I like that. What about in this defense with Steve Spagnuolo? Like, another guy that, that uses players really versatily. Um, it seems like your skill set would translate well. How do you yeah. see his defense and how you fit into it? Oh, man, I see myself fitting in it perfect. I mean, whether it's, this, you know, a 4-3 defense, 3-4, three, 3-3-5, three, three, however you want, old school, cover two, you know, 46 bear, however you want, you know, whatever defense is in, I'm a defensive player, and I can adjust. So at the end of the day, you know, Coach Bags, he's a legend. You know, he's a proven winner. Mm-hmm. And when you're a proven winner, you know, you, you coach in the D-line like you coached when he was at the New York Giants with yeah. all those guys, O.C., Justin Tuck. He got, man, legends, yeah. you know, and, you know, it's just an honor to be around a guy like that. And um, I'm looking forward to getting coached by him. Beards, say the say the the thing you said. Go ahead, say the thing you said. He said he was a defensive player. Well, he's not on the offensive side of the ball, so he's only a defensive player. Why? Why do you have to tear everybody down, Beards? It was funny. Why are you like I just, this? It was just who hurt you? It was child? the first thing that popped into my mind. I thought it was funny. You have to tear people down. You did. <laughs> um. So I thought that maybe the most interesting thing was like I only showed people what I wanted to show them. Which, like, I, to be honest, like, don't believe, right? Like, I don't think that, I don't think he's been, like, holding things back while trying to work for a $100 million contract, you know? I don't know. Um, maybe that's, maybe that's true. Regardless, um, I I do think that he has a, a huge variety of ways that he can get after the quarterback, and... I didn't feel like it was exactly the answer I was looking for as far as, like, what is he best at? Because that's something we have to wait and find out, whatever. That's fine, too. Um, but but that's – and that's also something we'll talk to Seth about tomorrow. Um, what is it that is Frank Clark's best trait? Um, I guess we talked to him about that originally, but that's sort of a question I'd like to add on to. I think I might have even asked him that last week, to be honest, now that I think about it. Uh, I think it was either, like, the, the sort of the, the strong arm or the, the, the bull rush. I can't remember. But – um, I think it's interesting. I think he's going to be a really fun player to watch in this defense. And it's honestly just really nice to be excited about the phrase, this defense. Because it's not the retread after retread after retread of, of Bob Sutton and being completely hopeless about any thoughts of actually uh, seeing things improving. I think he'll help do that. It's been a lot of investment in that pass rush, right? Um, that isn't what I was looking for in terms of like trying to do something a little bit differently in a rebuilding process because it's a lot for him. I imagine that paycheck for Chris Jones is probably coming. Maybe they wait it out and, and hope that he doesn't have as strong of a season this year. At least, I mean, hope he doesn't have as strong of a season. It's kind of a funny thing to say, but I think you probably know what I mean from from a financial standpoint. Um, and hope that he doesn't make them pay this year, I guess. 
Uh, and then it's all of the stuff they've done with the rest of the end depth. It's bringing in Colin Saunders to be another guy who's rotating through at a, at a relatively high cost in the interior of your defensive line. But with all the stunts, with the ability to, p- to put Frank Clark and Chris Jones side by side and all of that, there's a lot of firepower in this defensive front. And, and I think that there are like two elite type of guys in Clark and Jones and then a legit starter in Okafor. And I would argue a legit starter probably in Derek Nottie. Really. Um, and then Speaks and, and, and Colin Saunders and maybe Passigno and Ogba. Those guys are rotational pieces. And depending on exactly where it is that you are rotating everyone, that can be really valuable and I think the right role for those guys. So again, like I'm... I'm kind of excited because, like we said a second ago, the the V word here, versatility, is is everything. I don't know that that's the, not always the right call, but it's what the it's everything to the Chiefs this year. Because that's the case on the D line. That's the case in the secondary. That's been the case offensively for a lot of positions. So I I think all that's really interesting. Um, and do we have that clip of Brett Veach from earlier today as well, Beards? I referenced a couple things from today that, that Brett Veach set out at his teleconference, and uh, I want to give you one clip of it here, talking about just the general construction of the roster. Some of this is kind of GM speak, but but I think you you start to find some of the optimism in Brett Veach's voice here. He talked a lot about the undrafted free agency ended up signing, but this was sort of a, an all encompassing comment on, on how Veach feels about the uh, the state of the roster right now. I think every team goes into training camp wishing they had a few more holes filled, and, and you know we're no exception. I think that you look at our roster, I think that um, you certainly feel good about a lot of different areas, and there are some things that we want to get done, and, and hopefully we, we will get done. But I think you know when you talk about football and you talk about how the game, the game is won up front and with the quarterback, um, I think when we bring this squad to St. Joe's, you know, bring in the reigning MVP up there, and now you, you add that with, again, that defensive line that we're talking about that um, projects to be. And now, listen, these guys got to go out there and they got to develop chemistry and some new coaching staff and they got to do it. Um, but, I mean, from, from a number standpoint and from a sheer talent standpoint in regards to what these guys have done or what they project to do, I think when you go up to St. Joe's with those two things, the, the league MVP and a, and a talented deep defensive line, um, you feel good about that. And, again, some of the areas that we're not – as comfortable with, we're going to continue to work on them. But uh, listen, we're going to be in the mix here, and, and and you know we have a, a great coaching staff, we have a great personnel staff, we have an extremely talented roster. Um, we got to get better, but we're going to be in the mix. I don't know if we're going to be in the mix means anything, right? Like I don't I don't know if you go, oh yeah, the, the GM thinks we're going to be in the mix. Um, I don't know. They're gonna they're gonna be in the mix as a good team. They're gonna be in the mix to add players around the end of training camp. They're gonna be. That's eh, fine. They're gonna be everywhere except for bad. And if you if you ask, hey, they're gonna be bad. You say, oh, well, they're not exactly in the mix for that. Anything else, you're probably in the mix. That's a pretty broad statement. But I, I will say that that I think there's some honesty in there about saying there are some places where they're not as good as they wish they were because that's something that you always like. That's always true. No team feels great about every position group. And for the Chiefs, we I think we know where it's going to be. They are much better off right now than they were last year at the safety position because Eric Berry was essentially a non-factor. That was a lot of Ron Parker, Jordan Lucas, Dan Sorensen, Armani Watts. Well, well now there are two starting safeties. We're not on this roster last year. That's a huge improvement um, that I I feel pretty good about now for the short term and the long. The defensive line and overall, I would say the pass rush is probably better now than it was last year. That one's tough, though. It's at least not a very big step back. I think, let me say it this way. If going into 2019... You gave me the choice of Frank Clark and Alex Okafor versus Justin Houston and D Ford. I think I would take the the guys the Chiefs currently have. Obviously, Chris Jones is still in the same spot, although moving inside. 
But I don't think that Alex Okafor and Frank Clark will have the production that Ford and Houston had last year, if that makes sense. Clark's probably the best player on that list today. Okafor's probably... I mean, he's three or four. I don't I don't know if you would take him over Houston or not. But but Chris Jones being a part of that interior, Derek Nottie developing as a pass rusher, adding Colin Saunders, that's a that's a very strong defensive line, both in the pass rush and against the run, which I'm glad that we're not really talking about it anymore because we all acknowledge finally that's not the reason that the Chiefs are losing were losing playoff games. They didn't lose to the Patriots because they couldn't stop the run. They honestly they didn't lose to the to the Steelers. In the playoffs, so they couldn't stop the run. They didn't lose to the Titans because they couldn't stop the run. They lost to the Steelers and the Titans because they couldn't score a damn point. And they didn't. They they lost to the to the Patriots because they couldn't defend Julian Edelman. It's not that complicated. So defensively, I've given you all that, right? So the linebacker group is pretty much the same. I will say that I feel better about this year than last year because Anthony Hitchens is going to be in a better place. Uh, it's another year of development for Dorian O'Daniel. Reggie Ragland is probably in a little bit of a more comfortable position. Uh, and they've added the guy whose name I always, literally always say wrong. Daryl? Damien? Darnell? Wilson? Did I say Damien and Daryl both and Williams and Wilson both? I was li- I swear I was going to say the wrong name. This is worse than all of the Williamses. Because at least with them I knew half of it and I just I know the difference between Damian and Daryl Williams. But adding Damian Wilson, who is the linebacker, is going to haunt me for the rest of my days. But you add him in, and you sh- you shift schemes, and it, it, it matches up with everybody better. So the linebacker group, I would say, improved this year. The defensive line improved this year. The pass rush will probably not produce as highly as it did last year, but I would say that the selection is better this season. The safety group might be the most improved defensively. The corners aren't better. They, they might not be worse. Bashad Breeland coming in for... Steven Nelson, and, and I guess really if you want to count Traverius Ward over Orlando Skandrick, that's nice. Third corners have a tendency to, to make a nice little splash for a couple of, couple of games. So, forgive my skepticism there. Also, the Chiefs have cap money to spend. If they want to win a Super Bowl this year, I think the corners spot is probably their, their biggest weakness at the moment. Outside of that, though, I do wonder if we've overlooked the offense almost certainly losing Tyree Kill permanently, and if not permanently, for at least a chunk of games. Again, I think permanently at this point. I'm just, I don't know, I'm hedging my bets because the Chiefs waiting this long has already been a surprise to me. But is the offense taking a step back? I don't know how you can say it's not. McCole Hardman will be a nice weapon. If you were using him to come in as your number two uh, or three receiver, you'd be ecstatic. If he can, if if Sammy Watkins plays sixteen games, I become significantly less worried about it. I just don't assume that he's going to play sixteen games. The running back group is worse than it was at the beginning of last year with Kareem Hunt. It's better than it was by the end of the year without Kareem Hunt. Tight end group is nothing under under Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey and a bunch of creative players. So. As much as we all agree, I'm sure, that the Chiefs needed to improve their defense last year, I want to see them constantly doing silly things with Patrick Mahomes in that offense and just loading him up with weapons on a level that's like almost uncomfortable um, because you're like, well, aren't you guys going to spend elsewhere? Nope, no thank you. We're going to make Patrick Mahomes unstoppable. I would like some of that. I don't know if that's what's going to end up. In fact, I don't think it's going to. I have literally no idea how we're going to close out the show, but we'll do that whenever we come back. You're listening to Almost Entirely Sports. The two biggest detriments um, to me uh, ever having like an actual radio career, I think, or I have, a, I have three greatest detriments. Uh, number one, I have a bad memory. 
Number two, I'm easily distracted. And number three, I'm not good at radio. With Joshua Briscoe. Also, he's not that likable. I was going to say yeah. that next, actually. Yeah. I was going to say also, I'm, I'm not very likable. Um, you I have alienate. a squeaky voice for I, radio. Right, I do have a bad radio voice. Um, a girly laugh. I have. I definitely have a very girly laugh. I alienate people. People don't like hipsters. On ESPN Kansas City. Just a reminder, new show starts at 7 o'clock tonight on 810. Not on Facebook, though. Not on Facebook. Tonight. Facebook launches on Wednesday. And then theoretically, like, every, every or nearly every day after that. But not tonight. That entire liner did not hold us back, though. Almost Entirely Sports on Sports Radio 810. Could we start calling it Almost Entirely Sports Radio 810? I was probably eventually going, we're going to eventually get a request to stop doing that. But uh, on Sports Radio 810, WHB, 810 AM on your dials, number one in your hearts. 7 o'clock tonight is the beginning of Almost Entirely Sports on Sports Radio 810. It'll sound a little bit different. In a couple of different places, you might you might you might notice. You probably will. Uh, we're really excited. Um, I think it's going to be really fun, and we're going to see if it works. I think it, I think it will work for for us. The question is just how does it go out to the rest of the world? And uh, everybody's been very kind about, except for like everyone except for two people on Twitter have been very kind about the announcement and the uh, the upcoming new show. So uh, thank you, everybody, except for those two people that said I'm a know-it-all millennial and that I'm like a, a eighth grader trapped in a man's body. Double thank you to you guys because those were two of the most accurate comments I got all weekend. I was, I was glad that they said I had a man's body. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's happening here in, uh, in a little over an hour. We're going to be on remote overlooking um, our kingdom, I guess. We'll talk about Game of Thrones as long as Rudy finishes it in time, which he's still finishing so now. Right it's... now if he doesn't finish. Oh, if he doesn't finish it, we're just going to... I mean, you know what will happen is he'll just sit out an hour of the show. He'll sit outside. We actually already are sitting outside. He'll sit more outside. He'll sit... I'll th- I can throw him off the balcony. Yes, do it. I can say, what's the, what's the line? What's the line I need to say before I push him off the balcony? The things I do for a The things I do for radio, and I'll push... I'll just push him off the balcony. Please do. And then he'll show up in nine years in a wheelchair just staring blankly with and claiming he can, like, see through time. And he'll just stare I at I have you. a really good joke I want to make, but the Game of Thrones talk and spoilers are not here. They will be on 810 at 9 tonight. And also, again, the reminder, they'll be up on the podcast feed, the same one you've grown to know and love uh, or grow and subscribe to. Know and subscribe to. Or just tolerate or subscribe to. All I care about is that you subscribe to it. But we uh, we have that show starting at 7, going till 10. Me and Rudy will be out on remote. Beards will be back in the studio. And we'll talk about the draft. Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest is going to be the very first person uh, to be a guest on AES on A10. I, I did that specifically to apologize for uh, for pooping on his desk and also for making him a booty call. If you don't get those references, you've got some podcasts to catch up on. Bye, Mom! You're listening to Almost Entirely Sports with Joshua Briscoe on ESPN Kansas City. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. 
Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.